Why don't you turn to 1 Kings chapter 4, or would you like to turn to 1 Kings chapter 4, which you may find on your your phone or your electronic device, or one or two of us still got paper Bibles. Anybody got a paper Bible here? Amen. Glory. I always bring my big black peaches, 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 preacher's Bible, because it's got big letters in it and I can see it. And even then I have to put my glasses on. Um, the kingdom of heaven is here. Well, don't get too excited. <laughs> All right, we're living in an open heaven. Uh, that's where Anne sort of started his office this morning, isn't it? The kingdom of heaven is here. And the kingdom of heaven is near. Where is the kingdom of heaven? It's within you. Yeah, it's near. It's right here, isn't it? And we're learning how to live in the kingdom of heaven. Um, But I think some of us think the kingdom of heaven just appeared in the New Testament. And of course it did gloriously with Jesus. Uh, But when you look back at the Old Testament, well, okay, Lord, what do I make of all that stuff in the Old Testament? How does that relate to the kingdom of heaven? Because Jesus broke in and brought such wonderful things. What is it that's in the Old Testament that could be even kind of relevant, you know, to this new life in the kingdom. Now, Paul tells us clearly that everything written in the Old Testament is for our instruction, it's helpful, but of course we need to know how to understand that. And actually, the kingdom of heaven is what theologians call an interpretive principle. Okay, an interpretive principle. It's one of those things that's threaded throughout the Bible and helps us understand, you know, how God works and what he does. So can we take this thing that seems to be a New Testament concept, the kingdom of heaven, and find it in the Old Testament? Well, it doesn't make, you know, if you know a little bit about the Old Testament, you'll quickly be able to say, well, yes, you can. And we're going to, so we're going to look at uh, this chapter in that sort of light. Okay, we're looking for pictures of the kingdom of heaven we're looking for how we live in the kingdom of heaven what the kingdom of heaven is like you see when jesus went around preaching that the kingdom of heaven is near most of his audience would have had a pretty clear idea of what he was talking about it may not have been the right idea but it would have been a clear idea in their minds and jesus was going to bring some you know fresh revelation to it he was going to bring incredible revelation about the kingdom of heaven but actually all of his listeners particularly the jewish people of course would have had a very clear in fact a very concrete idea of what the kingdom of heaven was like because they had lived in god's kingdom yeah they had lived in god's kingdom so 1 kings chapter 4 says so king solomon ruled over all Israel. Okay, you know, uh, you had King Saul and King David, and now we're King Solomon. This is about 3,000 years ago. And uh, this, is, this is the kingdom of God in Canaan. This is the kingdom that, you know, Joshua uh, won for, um, you know, the people. Uh, this is, uh, so you had the kings that came in with Saul, David, and Solomon. And actually, the kingdom in the reign of Solomon is uh, God's kingdom at its height. 
as one con- commentator called it, yeah, it's God's kingdom at the, at the zenith. Um, so much of what is good about God's kingdom sort of comes out in the rule and reign of Solomon. In fact, much of our Old Testament is written by Solomon, isn't it? So Solomon wrote most of Proverbs. He wrote some Psalms. He wrote the Song of Solomon. And of course, a lot of 1 Kings and 1 Chronicles is taken up with the story of Solomon. He's a big figure in the Old Testament. And he's a ruler. Now, if we... um, if we do what we normally do with Old Testament characters, immediately when I talk about being like Solomon, we can kind of think, well, how am I ever going to be like Solomon? He was a king over a nation, a huge nation, an important nation, a nation that David had expanded the boundaries of. How can I be like him? Well, one greater than Solomon, as the New Testament tells us, is within you. Right, a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago, you realized you were, you know, you were greater than Moses. Is that right? Do you remember that bit? So this week we're saying you're greater than Solomon. But Solomon was a king. What am I? A mere worm on God's earth. <laughs> no, you're not, are you? What are you? You're a royal person, aren't you? You're a king and a queen. And if you're a king and a queen or a prince and a princess, a son of the king, a daughter of the king, however you want to express it, royalty is your identity. Say with me, royalty is my identity. Amen. Let's get a bit bit part. You're very quiet. Have have I exuded some seriousness? (laughs) Okay. Royalty is my identity. That's who you are, aren't you? You are a royal son and daughter of the king. You are also a ruler. Say with me, I'm a ruler. I'm not a pencil, I'm a ruler. No, no. You're a ruler. Now, this is, a, this is an aspect of the Christian life that some of us are not very familiar with, are we? But if you are in a kingdom, and if you are spreading that kingdom around, if you are bringing the kingdom of God wherever you go, that makes you a ruler. If you're royal, you are a ruler, because royal people rule. Round the ragged rock, the ragged rascal ran. Royal people rule. Okay, just say, I am a ruler and I rule. You see, ruling has got a bit of a bad reputation, isn't it? And, and most of us could probably think of bad rulers. Some of us have probably been under bad rulers. Maybe when I say that, you know, our boss or even our parents. Some of us have been abused by rulers. But actually, God is calling you and me to be rulers in his kingdom. So we need to learn what it is to rule, don't we? Okay, oh, didn't realize that. I thought, thought that's what the elders did. That's <laughs> what my home group leader does or, you know, those people that lead. No, you are a ruler. You are dispensing the rule and reign of Jesus. Jesus says to each one of you, I have given you the keys of the kingdom. It's incredible what gives, what... Uh, God says, let's quickly look at, remind ourselves of these incredible verses, even if they're mysterious and difficult to understand. They are absolutely amazing. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. Just in case you think I'm making it up. Matthew 16 verse 19 says, I will give you, that's you, Jesus speaking to all disciples, 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, you, if you go to any commentary, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll find most commentaries saying all sorts of things about that. All right? And we haven't got time to look at the application of those. But it's your job to rule and to reign. It's your job to bind and to loose the important things. The kingdom of heaven. So much so that what you bind on earth will be bound on heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We're often using, I find myself using that word releasing, don't you? Releasing the grace of God around us. You have the power to do that. You are a ruler who has been given authority. Just by being a believer, you have, be, you have taken on a royal identity, you've taken on a rule and a reign that, yes, is Jesus' rule and reign, but he invites you as a co-worker, as a co-laborer, to dispense his rule and reign. So you heal the sick. You cast out the demons. Right? You do the works and wonders of God. It's you. You are the dispenser of God's rule and reign. You have the king keys of the kingdom. You unlock things. Just try that. I unlock things. Right? There are situations and at work and in your family that you are going to unlock. Right? This is not just a rhetorical thing. I'm saying it's not in the notes. Well, I don't have any notes, so that's not <laughs> so it can be not in the notes. <laughs> You are the unlockers of situations. You are, you are the bee's knees. <laughs> you have the solutions to every problem that mankind has. You, you and me, we are it. Plan A and there's no plan B. God didn't ha- there isn't a book of Acts, Mark 2. Well, you know what I mean, so second edition, <laughs> revised edition even. It's you and me. We are the answer to the world's problems. And you have been given the keys of the kingdom to unlock all sorts of situations. And we are, we are, we are too church orientated, aren't we? You've had too much of church. Let's stop doing it. Because <laughs> you think, oh, well, you know, do you feel just as significant outside of church as you do inside of church? You might be thinking, I don't feel significance inside church, but, you know, <laughs> um, let's, let's hope you do. <laughs> you know, when you come into these walls or you come into the gathering, I mean, it's special coming into the gathering of God's people, isn't it? But it's not the, and shouldn't be the only place where you find significance, where you find that you're powerful. You are just as powerful wherever you go. You carry that power. You carry the kingdom of heaven wherever you go. You carry the Holy Spirit. You are a host of God's presence wherever you are. And so that makes you powerful wherever you are. You are a king and a queen in God's kingdom. You, just, as, just as much as Solomon was ruling and reigning in Israel, you rule and reign in the kingdom of heaven. And so we can look at pictures like this and we can draw all sorts of lessons. So if we go back to 1 Kings chapter 4. So King Solomon ruled over all Israel. I, I love the fact, that actually, just to, to dwell on Solomon's name for the moment. Solomon means peace. 
And actually, he's ruled, this is the, this is the period of peace in the nation of Israel. This is what makes the, the rule and reign of Solomon so powerful for us. See, David, David was a, a conqueror, if you like. He was the one that extended all the boundaries. And then suddenly the kingdom comes into a, ray, to a, a rule and reign of peace. And Solomon, who is named much, much earlier than this, of course, when he was born, his name means peace. There's something in these names, isn't there? He's also called, he has another name, Solomon. I think it's Jedidoa or Jedidiah. It's one of those, you know, one of those interesting Hebrew names. Literally means loved by God, just like his father, David. So here you have a king who is going to bring in a period of peace, unprecedented peace to the kingdom of, uh, you know, to God's kingdom. And he's also named loved by God. He's going to live out his destiny and his destiny is wrapped up in his name. Now, let's introduce you to a number of. So we've, we've set the scene. OK, we're, all, we're like that. Now, here's one of the most amazing chapters in the Bible. This rivals any of your favorite verses in the New Testament. You ready for these powerful verses? So. Verse 1, so King Solomon ruled over all Israel, and these were his chief officials, Azariah. Did you feel the power of that word? He was, let me introduce you to my friend Azariah, he is the son of Zadok. Feel that tingling down the spine. The priest. Actually, what we're about to look at is Solomon's kind of cabinet. All right, so we'll quickly go through some of the other friends. Elihoreth, or Haliroth, or however the Hebrews would say it. And Hijar, sons of Shisha. You knew that, didn't you? You knew that they, they were the sons of Shisha. They were secretaries. And then there was Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, who was a recorder. Benaniah, son of Jed- jo- Jehoiada, commander-in-chief. Zadok and Abathiah, the priests. Azariah, son of Nathan, in charge of the district officials. Zabad, son of Nathan, a priest and personal advisor to the king. Asha- ah- Ahisha. Ahisha. That's a nice name. Thank you, yes. Bless you. <laughs> Who was that? Oh, thank you, Adam. <laughs> In charge of the palace. Now, there's an innocuous little verse. In charge of the palace. The palace was thought to number between 12,000 and 35,000 people. Our friend, bless him, (laughs) Ahisha, is in charge of 12 estimates vary in the commentaries between 12,000 and 35,000 people. Fancy going to work in charge of all those people. That is a senior, senior CEO position, isn't it? I don't know about you, but if you watch films and there's just half a dozen soldiers around the palace and maybe it's half a dozen servants, it doesn't look that impressive. Even the best films, you know, um, I don't know, Ben-Hur or something like that, they don't necessarily convey how big Solomon's palace was. This is just his palace. And here's this guy, Ahisha, in charge of all these people. That's a big job, isn't it? That's a kingdom job. 
I'm not certain, I'm not diminishing smaller roles and that people don't have the same kind of royalty. But this is a big job, isn't it? These guys ha- carry huge responsibility. And that's just the guy in charge of the palace. Adoniram, son of Ab- Abdar, Abdar, in charge of forced labor. Right, it's probably not an aspect of the kingdom we want to bring into the present day. Um, but it's only a picture. Solomon also, also had 12 district governors over all Israel who supplied provisions for the king and the royal household. Each one had to provide supplies for one month in the year. These are their names. Are you ready for these names? These are precious people, aren't they? Did you realize Ben-Hur was actually in the Bible? <laughs> there he is, Ben-Hur, in brackets, Charlton Hessen. Ben, <laughs> Ben-Hur in the hill country of Ephraim. You didn't know Ben-Hur. Actually, we're not even sure this is his name because Ben just means son and Hur, you know, he's the son of Hur. This could be his name or it might just be a description. So poor guy, you know, doesn't even get his name necessarily in the Bible. But there you go. But he could have been called Ben-Hur. Again, the commentators vary. Ben-Decker, right, in Makesh, in Shalbin, Beth Shemez, and El Elon Beth, Beth, Beth Hanan. You can see I've been practicing these. Ben-Hezed in Arabath. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll rattle through them. Soka and all the hand, and all the land of Hepha were his. Ben Abinadab in Nathathoth door. He was married to Tap, Taphath, Taphath. Fancy calling your daughter that. Uh, daughter of Solomon. Uh, Benan, son of Ahilud in Tanakh and, and Megiddo in all of Beth Shan next to Zara. I love this chapter. Zarathan below Jezreel. It wasn't as difficult as to do it at home. From Beth Shan to Abel Maholan across to Jokmian. Ben Giba in Ramoth Gilead. The settlements, I hope you're enjoying this on the tape. And the settlements of Jah and son of Manasseh in Gilead were his, as well as the district of Argob in Bashan and its 60 large walled cities with bronze gate bars fancy being you can pass over these details this guy is in charge of how many 60 large walled cities this is a mega job isn't it is there is there anybody out there that 1 kings 4 is their favorite chapter in the bible we have overlooked this haven't we these are mighty mighty Men of God. Yeah, but they're not slaying giants. Um, they're not healing the sick. Um, they're not casting out... The, they are ruling over cities. Six... How many? Sixty large... Wall, I mean, I couldn't... I couldn't one eight, marriage one. Well, who knows? Maybe I will one day. Right, there was a program. It's a program on the the rise of Boris Johnson. I don't know when. It, I think it's on today. Actually, it might be on today. The right. I can remember having discussions about Boris Johnson, thinking that guy has not got a hope. <laughs> he's a joker. How can anybody take him seriously? And now he's mayor of London. Now, obviously, I got it wrong. <laughs> and <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? 
It's amazing what you can do in the power and the spirit of God. You could be ruling over 60 cities. Ahinadab, son of Idu in Mahanim. Uh, Arnimaz in Naphtali had married to Basmath, daughter of Solomon. Barna, son of Hushai in Asher and in Aloph. Jehoshaphat, son of Paruah in Ishaka. Shemai, son of Elah in Benjamin. Geba, son of Uri in Gilead. The country of Sion, king of the Amorites. And the country of Og, king of Bashan. He was the only governor over that district. Folks, these are real people in real places doing real jobs, aren't they? Anybody here a real person in a real place doing a real job? Stick your hand up. Amen. <laughs> Look at what they had to do. You see, that these last 12 were district governors. And once a month, well, for, for a whole month, they had to supply the palace of Solomon with the following things. Let, read on in verse 20. The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They ate, they drank, and they were happy. What a wonderful picture of the kingdom of God. Right? Eating, drinking, being happy. Everybody happy? Be happy. Amen. That was a prophetic word, just in case you weren't. And Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. These countries brought tribute and were Solomon's subjects all his life. Now get this. Solomon's daily, so each day, what had to be delivered to the palace were the following. Solomon's daily provisions were 30 cores of fine flour. Now that may not mean much to you because you don't know what a core is. Apart from the Irish band that used to... No, no, no. <laughs> Some of you go about that far, good. And... <laughs> Maybe even even down in your note, in my notes, it says 6.6 kiloliters. Well, I've no idea what a kiloliter looks like. But for me, this, this is uh, five metric tons. Five metric tons. I mean, I can, I can see that. I can feel it, you know, the sense of a ton. Five metric tons have to be delivered daily to Solomon's court. On top of that, 60 cores of... Of meal, that's 10 metric tons of meal. This is the daily you know, feeding of the palace. Now, remember the palace has 12 to 35,000 people. So that's a lot of people to feed, isn't it? Every day. This is a big food bank. On top of that, there are 10 head of stall-fed cattle each day. Let's say there's 30 days in a month. That's 300 cattle a month. If my sums are correct, yes. 20 of pasture-fed cattle and 100 sheep. 100 sheep a day times 30. 3,000. <laughs> Thank you. Am I right? Come and nod at me. If you look at me thinking, yeah, I'll get worried. <laughs> 3,000 3, sheep. Where do you, where do you get 3,000 sheep a month? Waitrose. <laughs> No wonder you need 12 districts dotted around the nation in order to provide merely the sheep provision to the palace. And goats, as well as deer, gazelles, roebucks and choice fowl, which I guess most of the time you have to go out and hunt. 
So you need hunters for that in every district, unless they kind of, ro- you know, on the rotation system and go around different, different areas. I guess that could work. For he ruled over all the kingdoms west of the river from Tifas and to Gaza and had peace on all sides. During Solomon's lifetime, Judah and Israel from Dan to Bethsheba, get this, lived in safety, each man under his own vine and fig tree. I don't know about you, but when you've cut the grass and you trim the roses and you sit under your grapevine in the summer, it's just glorious with a glass of wine from your vine. That's a picture of peace, isn't it? We have been called into a kingdom. I mean, notice this. Notice the provision in God's kingdom. It's amazing, isn't it? The provision, the daily provision. Give us this day our daily bread. I mean, this is bread with a vengeance, isn't it? This is daily sheep, daily cattle, daily wine, daily eating. No wonder they were happy. (laughs) This is a glorious, glorious kingdom. And there's peace on every side, it says in this chapter. You know, the kingdom of God, we have been given a rule and reign of peace, which we bring to the nation in which we live in. Our nation is a more peaceful nation than otherwise it would be because we are here. And actually our nation can be more prosperous and more peaceful the more you and I take up the responsibility that we have to rule and to reign in it. It's genius, isn't it, that Solomon divides up this expanded kingdom into different areas and different regions. I mean, the, the amount of administration that goes into providing the daily provisions just of the palace. You've got no mention here. It's not like everybody else was starving, by the way. Everybody, every man can sit under his grapevine and enjoy the peace and the pleasantness of God's kingdom. And you and I have been called to go into the world, into what some people call the seven mountains of our society, some of which are very conveniently displayed on the banners here. Have you noticed that? I was trying to work out what that one was. Uh, Adi, I don't know, who's Adi Dazzler? Adi, Adi Daz? Uh, it's Adi Dazzler. Anybody know who Adi Dazzler is? He's, he founded Adidas. Oh, right. Sorry. What were you saying? I was only reading it, Chrissy. <laughs> I was thinking, what now she's talking about? The founder of Adidas, right, representing commerce and business. Uh, Brahm, uh, Branson? Oh, Branson. More commerce and business. I thought you said Brahms. I know, Branson. Richard Branson. Da Vinci, representing the art world. Newton, representing the world of science and technology. Spielberg, media and entertainment. I think it was Lauren Cunningham, the founder of uh, YWAM, and or was it the other way around? And Bill Bright, Campus Crusade. They some years ago coined this phrase: "The Seven Mountains of Our Society." Folks, you have not been called just to the church. You have been called to rule the world, right? If I rule the world. Every day would be the first day of spring. <laughs> I had to get the title of this morning in somewhere, so we just got it in. Right? If I, re- if, no, you have been called to be rulers in God's world. This is not the devil's world. It's not the world's world. It's your world. 
It's your world because God has given it to you. And actually, he's given you more than just the world. He's given you a new heaven and a new earth. He's given you the whole cosmos. I loved it a few weeks ago, watching Brian Cox on the television, Professor Brian Cox. And he was just talking about exploration into space. And I love it when atheists cannot express themselves enough and have to use almost like religious language. You know, so they talk about the miracle of of, of evolution. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> there it is again, the wonder of the creation. They just don't have poor poor guys. I feel sorry for them. They don't have the language. Do we? We are so rich in our language in which way the ways we can express these things. Nearly lost the power there. He came to the end of the program and he said, you know, it's something, it's to be human is to explore. There's something in us that says we need to get out there. We need to get to Mars, to, to the moon. Well, we've done the moon, but <laughs> not sure we'll do it again. And, uh, and the other side. Why? Because it's just something in us. He is touching that sense of being rulers in God's kingdom. Because there's a universe out there that we have been called to rule and reign in. Jesus has invited us even into the throne room to sit with him on his throne, raised into heavenly places with Christ Jesus. In order to fulfill that great commission. To rule and to reign. And folks, I was, at this point I was going to say, and in fact James came up to me and said, I've got this kind of picture of, um, what was it, James, you had a picture of? <laughs> Swords and armory. I believe that God wants to equip you this morning with a spiritual gift of administration. And, you know, we talk about people having gifts of evangelism, but we're all evangelistic. Then I believe that there are some people here who have the spiritual gift of administration, but actually we all have it in some measure. So some are called to be teachers, but we all teach. Some are called to be apostles, but we're all apostolic. Some are called to have, particularly to have a gift of spiritual administration. You see, the only way that provision was brought into the palace, into the where we live, because we live in the palace, don't we? we live in the throne room. So there's the picture. The only way the provision was brought in was by by amazing organisation. Amazing organisation. We're about to go into a building that's already had to have amazing organisation to make it happen. It will need even more amazing organisation to make that happen. But actually, we're not just about the building. The building is a means to bring the kingdom of God, to bring the rule and reign into science and technology, media and entertainment, and all the other seven mountains of our society. And you and I have been commissioned to do that. So do you work in a place where you have just a little bit of responsibility? Actually, it's difficult to work anywhere and not have some responsibility, isn't it? Maybe you oversee people. Maybe you, you know, you're the boss of your company. Maybe you just oversee a process. If you're any of those people, would you like to stand up? Because I just want to pray over you. Actually, I tried to make that so that everybody stood up, but don't feel that you have to. <laughs> if you are managing a family, you can stand up. There you go. Doesn't matter how many children you've got or how difficult a husband or wife you have, they still need to be managed. 
You may need to be managed. If we're to make this happen, if we're to make the kingdom of God happen, then we need amazing gifts of organization. And some of you will have that particular anointing on you. Some of you, I know, are already CEOs in your own companies anyway as well. Some of you have senior positions and responsibilities. You manage budgets of millions of pounds. Yes, folks, there are people in our church who manage budgets of millions of pounds already. They're doing it. But in order for us to bring the kingdom of heaven into every corner of this world and ultimately the universe, then we just need a magnification of that gift. So if you want to raise your hands and just receive, Father, I pray now that you would just release over us an amazing gift of administration. Yeah. Holy Spirit, just come. And I pray now, Lord, just release the weapons of administration. The equipping of administration, the ability to think, to plan, to strategize, to take responsibility, to identify uh, giftings in people. I, pre- I believe now the Holy Spirit is giving some of you, uh, you know, uh, ideas and, and putting people in front of you saying, yeah, that's the person that you need. You need to move them from one department to another or you need to raise them up. They do have the potential that you thought they had. And some of you are going to go into work on Monday morning and say, I have the solution to this problem. Right? God's going to give you wisdom. One of the, you know, Solomon is known. We haven't, we could have got into the second half of this chapter and we'd have to do it another time. But, you know, the way the kingdom worked was through wisdom. The way that Solomon, you know, people beat the path. You know, kings from all over the earth sent their representatives to the court of Solomon because of his wisdom. And that wisdom is available to you through Jesus Christ because there's one within you who is greater than Solomon and he is wisdom to you. Jesus Christ is your wisdom and he has all wisdom. All wisdom. Say with me, all wisdom. So receive that wisdom now to bring breakthrough. Breakthrough. We pray for breakthrough in the commercial area. We pray for breakthrough in the arts. We pray for breakthrough in education. We pray for breakthrough in recruitment. We pray for breakthrough for those who don't have jobs. Lord, we pray now there is a job waiting for you. All right, if you're unemployed this morning, there is a job. And you have. You said to yourself previously, I cannot do that. God says, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Because you have an anointing of the Holy Spirit on you. And that anointing of the Holy Spirit will make you to be the person that you didn't think you could be. To take up responsibility. To take up organizational power. To do the things that you thought you didn't have the strength to do. To give you the ideas you didn't think you had. Just step out. You had words of faith. You take your penny and put it in the bank this morning. Take your penny and put it in the bank this morning. God wants to invest your life in bringing the kingdom into every area of this world. So, Father, we thank you for Solomon. But we thank you, Jesus, that you are wisdom inside us. And wisdom gets organized. And, Lord, uh, we, we pray for your anointing. I think particularly of our trustees. I think of Liz and Karen and Dave in the office. I think of any uh, our youth workers, our children's workers, our, our home group leaders, Lord, or anybody that has any measure of responsibility in our church, Lord, I pray that you would magnify their gift of administration. Lord, that you would enlarge it 
And Lord, you would enlarge their vision. You would enlarge their capability. And Jesus, we would see your kingdom coming, Lord, in this whole area and beyond this area in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.